Welcome to the Deep Tech Nation Forum, the platform for interviews with key people of the Swiss technology ecosystem. Listen in and get to know their personal stories, experience and vision for the Switzerland of tomorrow. Welcome to our Deep Tech Nation interview series. I'm here today with Per Lange. He's our investment partner at Swisscom Ventures from the very beginning. Hello, Per. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I uh, would like to ask you about um, three different topics. So you as a person, then your entrepreneurial experience, and then your vision for Switzerland. So, yeah, please tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I've been with Swisscom Ventures for 15 years. It's quite a long time. I, I, I joined uh, Dominic 2005 to, to get this started. Um, and, and we started very small, and, and over the years it has uh, sort of become fairly big. I think we are one of the bigger uh, investors here in Switzerland uh, right now. And um, I actually moved here from Australia to, to, to join Swisscom at the time. I, um, I took some time off in Australia after I had um, sold the, the companies I had started in Sweden. So um, I came here. To, to, to invest in technology in Switzerland. That has been a very interesting journey over the years. Uh, I think uh, Switzerland has matured a lot uh, when it comes to the opportunity, especially in, in technology. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about my background. So, so I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm Swedish originally. I have a sort of a technical background. I, I, I have a degree in physics and engineering. Uh, uh, so it was natural for me to, to, to after, after university, uh, move into that space and, and work in, in R&D in, in, in Swedish companies. And it was an interesting time when I finished university. I finished university in 1991. Um, and um, I would say that was one of the deepest recessions in Swedish history. Sweden has a sort of unique financial crisis back then. I'd say all the Swedish banks were bankrupt, more or less, had to be saved by the government. So, so the day I finished university, there were basically not many options uh, for me. So, so it, it, truly, it was like either I thought, okay, I can continue study, do a PhD, or maybe start a company. But 91 in Sweden, there was no startup scene or startup culture at all. There were a couple of companies I knew of that had actually successfully sort of made it. Mm -hmm. but, but what we talked about today with, with the whole startup world uh, for, for young uh, graduates uh, as, as a choice of employment, that, that was non-existent. Uh, so, so natural for me was to go to one of those big Swedish tech companies, you know, Ericsson, Bofors, uh, ABB, that, that sort of place where, where, where I belonged. But, but due to the crisis, you know, there were no, no offers out there, really. But luckily, in a way, well, I was offered a job in, in a sort of big defense uh, company. And uh, so, so my first job was to basically build the simulation models and, and do a lot of calculations. So we built... Um, you know, missile guiding systems. We had uh, um, uh, different sort of 
defense mechanisms for, for, for uh, fighter jets, uh, we did the communication systems for submarines, that sort of thing. It's not my dream job, I'd say, but that, that was the only thing that was on offer uh, when, I, when I finished. So, so after a few years, you know, the Swedish economy picked up a bit and, and I switched over to Ericsson, which at that time was experiencing, shortly after this sort of crisis, Ericsson grew with maybe 20 to 30 percent every year in revenue. Mm -hmm. And, and, and um, it was a much more dynamic place than, than you know, developing these really long-term uh, solutions for, for the army and, and air force and so on. So, so I joined Ericsson to, to develop the first digital radio for the first sort of real mobile network uh, systems, the, the GSM system, the 2G system we call it today. So I joined to, to develop the, 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 the transceiver parts there, basically taking the, the, the radio waves from the antenna and, 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 and in the end deliver some some bits out in the other end for, for, for the system to, to, to interpret. And um, I think that was a good, good move for, for me to do that. Uh, and as I said, Ericsson grew so fast and had so little resources. So as an employee there, you could basically do what you wanted because there was so much on offer. So after a couple of years uh, developing the radio for this GSM system, I, I decided to, to move, move to, to, to Tokyo to work for a joint venture between Ericsson and, and Toshiba at the time. Um, and that was more moving to marketing and sales. Um, but the Japanese sort of solution to this 2G system was quite different uh, to, to the, the, the European one. So, so, so my job as a in, in marketing and sales was very technical still. You know, we had to specify exactly what, what the Japanese wanted out of this system and so on. So... Uh, what did drive you to go to Japan? Some sort of career move, you know, because after, after developing first two years on, 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 uh, on the defense system, uh, developing, you know, circuits and, and, and simulation models and all kinds of things like that, and then continue with another two years at Ericsson, I've, I've sort of had enough of sitting around and, and just calculating and, and, and I wanted to, to, to you know, it, it's a good job, but it's, you, you go to your, you don't meet many people, you basically <laughs> do this all day. And so, so I wanted to do something different. So, and Japan was interesting in the sense that it was very techy job still. Mm -hmm. And when I came to Japan, that was 95 in the second half of 95. No one had a mobile phone in Japan. You can't imagine that. Even in Sweden and Europe, people had mobile phones. But you come to Japan, there was Entity Docomo had, of course, um, a network. Mm -hmm. So they sort of had top-end executives had a phone, but no one else. And, and, and Japan was special because it, it's a country divided in prefectures, similar to the cantons of Switzerland, not as many. But each prefecture had its own mobile operator. So, so we had the potential to, to basically have, I don't know, eight, nine customers in, in, in this. We had several negotiations, several sort of systems to, to be delivered and so on. So, so when I came there, it was just starting up. We, Eric, Japan had been more or less a, a market for procurement, you know, for buying components and stuff like that, not, not selling anything. So 
when I arrived, as I said, no one had a mobile. And when I left um, three or four years later, uh, you know, just our networks had millions and millions of users. So, so you know, it, it went from like executives having mobile to every high school kid having a, having a mobile. And, and I can also follow closely that when I arrived, the, the mobiles that were sold that were sort of the good ones were maybe uh, Nokia and Ericsson. Yeah. Now, Ericsson didn't have a mobile, but Nokia and, and some other Western brands. But it didn't take long and then they were gone because the Japanese sort of handset market developed super fast. So, so you know, you had an amazing yes. number of, of, but it was still, you know, what we today call feature phones. It was no, no smartphones at all. Um, so, so, yeah, and after that, um, I did a, a, a sort of a, a business degree because I, I'd done all this technical work, so I did a business degree. And, and shortly after that, I moved back to Stockholm and started. Um, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine, he worked at Intel Capital at the time. He said, you know, let's start a company because it seems to be so easy to get funding. It was similar times as it is today. What year was that again? That was. Uh, 2000. 2000, yeah. yeah, right, right. Or beginning, end of, end, end of 99, actually, 2000, uh, to, end of 99, 2000. Yeah. So, so we, had, we actually had a little bit of brainstorming, and, and we thought to do something more uh, mobile-based, but in those days there were no smartphones, so you could not really, you, you could not really run an application on a phone. It was, they introduced a system called WAP, Wireless Application Protocol, mm -hmm. so we had some ideas that we should do some you know, we thought about booking, uh, booking sites from, for, for, for hotels that would be, uh, what can I say, position-based. But in those days, the problem was that mobile did not have a GPS chip in them either. Mm -hmm. So there was a very complex way of positioning a mobile. But in the end, we decided to start a mobile operator because that was just when the 3G, uh, um, the 3G, um, systems came out, and, and we partnered with some some big investors, uh, you know, like Carlyle Group and and, and NTL. NTL was uh, the one uh, who actually who owned uh, Sunrise here in Switzerland at the time. Mm -hmm. So NTL, Carlyle Group, and and, and some other investor, uh, so we, we raised quite a lot of money from. And, and applied for uh, for one of those 3G licenses in, in Sweden, and, and we got one. Wow. Um, funnily enough, Telia didn't get one. So <laughs> you got one, and Telia didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, actually, when I think about it. But so so we did that. But then then the recession hit again. So so we, we, we it, it, there was a recession for the telco industry shortly after because they sort of overspent on these sort of uh, um, uh, licenses. So so. We decided to um, exit, so we sold the company to, to, to France Telecom uh, at the time. Um, it, was a, it was a good deal. And then I, we had some other ventures where one thing we did was to, to, to invest or act as an agent, you can say, for, for larger uh, VC funds in, in, in the Nordics. It, it, at the time, that was just, I would say, the, the whole startup scene in Sweden started in 95, 96, and, and, and five, six years later, it really started to, to, to grow um, in an interesting way. 
and, and it also attracted interest from, from foreign investors because before that there was like, you know, three, four, five Swedish visa funds. But, but with some, some bigger successes uh, at the time, um, it attracted capital. So, so, so we, we did a lot of work for, for bigger, bigger uh, investors. And um, shortly after that, we sold the company. You know, the, it was a sort of a recession again, 2002, I would say. No, 2003, four, something like that. So then I packed my bags and moved to Australia. But, and then, then after that, I ended up here. So that, that's shortly. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, and I, Dominic, Dominic said um, he he made you come here. He needed you in in Switzerland to start to start Swisscom Ventures. So yeah, it was funny because I I knew some guy at Swisscom. I sent uh, you know because I was in, in Australia and I was we thought my wife is Australian. So 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 we thought okay we're gonna live in Australia. But I really felt it was far away from the action because you know. In Sweden, at least, there was a really vibrant startup scene. A lot of things happening, mm -hmm. and Australia was like mining, uh, you know, not. So, so we thought, and we had all our friends in Europe. So we said, are we going to move back? So I had actually a job uh, in in Sweden, as, or uh, it was. Um, I had an offer to 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 be the CEO for a company that was backed by by I think Docoma at the time was one of those startups. Somehow, Dominic called me, and, and I went by, and I sort of decided to to not go to Sweden, but to go here instead. You, you've seen the last the last 14 years you're here now, mm -hmm. yeah? 14 year, years in Switzerland, seeing the the the, uh, the development in the, in the technolo technology scene before. Now here, I was in Switzerland, a lot of things happened. Mm -hmm. uh, you're you're very in-depth and an expert on, on the whole hardware hardware area, the semiconductors. So what, 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 have you, what have you seen in the past and other than what's your vision or what, how do you see a development for the future? Well, um, it's, when I came here, I mean, my background was being on the both sides of the table in a way. So I had, I had my own company and, and that gave me a, 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 like a really a crash course in everything from, from funding to shareholder agreements. We even had some lawsuits. So, 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 mm -hmm. so, so I came with that uh, with me. To, so I had to get a good understanding for how, how these uh, startups work. And, um, um, and then, of course, I have my technical background to a certain extent. And so coming to Switzerland, in the beginning, we, we actually did not look for companies here. Mm -hmm. We actually looked for companies that were closer technology-wise and strategically to Swisscom. Mm -hmm. and, and compared to, to Sweden, Sweden is sort of a telecom nation, you know, with Ericsson, and, and, and so you have, you have a lot of startups in that field. Switzerland at that time had some really techie things maybe out from the university, but we, we looked for things that was more relevant to Swisscom. So, the first investments we did were actually in, in, in the U.S. Um, and, and, um, and elsewhere. But over the years, I think, um, and I think it helps with a, with, a, with a sort of entrepreneurial approach that some of the universities have. Mm -hmm. You've had also big companies like Google coming here, attracting talent globally. So, so I think 
now it's a, it's a different scene than, than it was when I came, clearly. I really believe that. Can you see a more vibrant scene and... and yes, I still think though, I mean... What we miss still is sort of the, the, the real sort of smash it exit, mm -hmm. where, where, where companies are, you know, massively successful mm -hmm. in, 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 in bringing, you know, value to the investors. Uh, sort of the multi-billion dollar exits and so on. That, that is still to be seen, but I think I'm, I'm confident that will come. But uh, it, it's, it's a, you know, business a little bit behind in that sense. Mm -hmm. And what, what do you think could Switzerland learn from the Nordic countries or Sweden? Autonomous driving, Sweden is ahead, I heard. Of course, that's also, I mean, it's a very big uh, sort of um, cluster around Volvo, uh, which is owned by the Chinese now, but they pour in a lot of, uh, of research money. So I, I've been in touch with some companies around Gothenburg where Volvo is. So, of course, if you have a car manufacturing company 10 minutes down the road, it's much easier to develop, uh, you know, together with them, autonomous uh, driving solutions than if, if you don't have a car company to work with. So, so I, I don't know, I think if, I think each country or each region, you can say, has to find their own way. So, um, so looking forward then, sort of, for, for Europe, because I think it's difficult to talk about only Switzerland, you know, if you're going to stand up and, and be competitive towards US maybe, and China, you have to, to think more European, European than, ecosystem. Yes, than just uh, one country. It's too small. But, but I think if, it's not so much a technology. It's so difficult to predict which technology is going to be important in the future mm -hmm. and build value. You, 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 today, certain things look obvious, but if you look five years from now, look in the back rear mirror, you might be wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very much about the people, you know, the, the, the entrepreneurs that you can attract and, and, and detect and help. And, and I think that takes time. And as I mentioned earlier, if you do venture investments and you make exits, you don't, don't necessarily build value for your country. You know, you, you, you sell a company to Intel, you sell a company to Google or Microsoft. Okay, you get cash back and you, you can pay your investors. But does that really advance your country? Do you replace Nestle or do you replace Novartis? You don't because you, you keep selling your technologies. But I think if you keep doing that enough times, you will have enough pool of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinking to maybe be successful to start a company like, like Spotify, for example, who actually grew up and stayed in Sweden. They have 6,000 employees. They have a market cap of maybe 50 billion. But that happens rarely, not very often, but it doesn't need to happen that often in order to build, let's say, five big companies over, over, over time. But, but you need keep, to keep investing and, and build this entrepreneur pool to find the, the the, the, the one who's going to be a real smash hit in the end. I think if you look at the big ones, the things like Facebook, Google, Apple, Nvidia, uh, Amazon, what's interesting with them is that the entrepreneur is, is a visionary. He usually has no management experience. You know, he starts in his garage, 
same was with, with, with Spotify, you can include that. And you find a guy who's able to run a company from two, three employees to a multi-billion dollar NASDAQ listed company and still be in charge. You know, I think the management experience, the lack of management experience maybe is, a, is an asset because you know, they, they, they formed the company after their own mind to, to do exactly you know, in line with their own vision somehow. But it, it, it's surprising to see that those really successful ones still have the original entrepreneur you know, at, 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 at the helm. So, so for Switzerland, I, I just think the more, the more times we invest in startups, the bigger sort of entrepreneur pool we build and, the, and the, we attract more people to Switzerland who are entrepreneurs and Swiss people who are here from the start. And eventually that will lead to something big, which I cannot predict. So Per, we talked about your, your entrepreneurial experience, then the importance of the entrep entrepreneur and the personality per se, then the Switzerland as, as an ideal location to build business. So what's to, to sum up, how, how, would you, how would you summarize the, the most important takeaways? I think the, the most important takeaways for an entrepreneur or for a successful business is, is, is the vision they have. It's, technology helps, of course, but if, if you look at the really successful ones like Facebook, um, uh, Amazon, or, or um, um, Apple even, it's not a technology play originally. It's, uh, Google was maybe a technology play, but, but many of the others are, are, are something completely different, you know, something completely new, which, which is based on technology, but that's not really where the, where the value lies. So I think for any, any entrepreneur who, who looks to, to, to create something big, you, you, you know, you really, the, the vision is, is really important. That's what, what, what counts if you're going to do it big. You can, of course, run a successful business on pure technology, but it will not be one of those uh, massive successes and, and you know that you can always sort of build up a technology and make a good exit but if you want to be an entrepreneur to change the world you know you, you need to have something more than technology you need you know a vision what to do with it and I think that is uh, that is what is scarce in the market to find those that's all about the right entrepreneur the, or the real let's say the real entrepreneur yeah who, who really want to change the yeah. world yeah. Than, than just make some money <laughs> There's nothing Thank wrong with that. No, it's no? <laughs> but it's not all about it. No. So thank you, Per. It was a pleasure talking to you and hearing about your experiences. And we will do more interviews like that. I'm really looking forward to the whole series where we're talking with uh, experienced entrepreneurs and hear about their stories and their vision. Thank you. In the Swisscom Ventures Deep Tech Nation Forum, we talk to some of Switzerland's most influential people in the high-tech sector. Together, we are shaping Switzerland's future. <laughs>